Freedom Pioneers of Africa. Yes, it is now four o'clock on the dot, which means it is that time of the day for the segment, The Freedom Pioneers of Africa. And today we will be doing episode nine, which features Richard Arva. As we all know, Freedom Pioneers of Africa is where local community change makers meet with global connectors to see how we can shift Africa's big thoughts into great opportunities. The future of Africa is often regarded in a strangely unimaginative and pessimistic way. Yet Africa Africa today is full of diversity, economic potential, and innovative development. Today's pioneer, Richard Arva, he started a company to provide clean cooking foil for Kenyan communities using an invasive water plant in Lake Victoria. As we all know, Lake Victoria is one of African greatest lakes. It's the largest lake by area, the world's largest tropical lake, and the world's second largest freshwater lake by surface area after Lake Superior in North America. Yes, that is Lake Victoria. So some interesting facts we will be looking at after we come through with the pioneer of the day, which is Mr. Richard Arva, who came through with Cyst Biofoil. Do not touch that, I'll keep it locked into. This is the segment Freedom Pioneers of Africa. Freedom Pioneers of Africa. I interacted with the weeds a lot of time when I was growing up along the lake. I interacted with water hazards a lot when I was a student because I would accompany my lecturer to collect samples in the lake and we'll move along the beaches and interact with the people. So I had a lot of knowledge, background knowledge on the effect of water hazards in the lake. But now my, my field of biochemistry really made me to think just beyond the handcraft level to more practical products uh, that can be used in the local community affected by water hazard. My name is Richard Arwa of Kisumu, Kenya. I'm a freedom pioneer of Africa. Freedom Pioneers of Africa. I grew up uh, along the lakeside in the Lake Victoria region. And at some point, I was having some businesses in the lake. I managed to own some boats, fishing boats in the lake. And I could experience the challenges of water hazard. I saw it come, and uh, I'm very familiar with the impact of uh, water hazard on the lake, particularly on the livelihood of fishermen, because personally I was affected and uh, I had to drop the business because the catch was growing slowly by slowly until we could not have any catch anymore. In 2016, I was looking for a job and uh, I didn't get a job. So I wrote the business plan down and in between, I came about an incubation center called National Environment Trust Fund where they were calling for innovations in renewable energy. So I quickly thought and pivoted my business plan to use the ethanol as an energy, given my background in chemistry. And uh, I called them, they did the judging, they observed the process of producing ethanol from water housing. And I was recruited into the facility for a two-year business incubation program. This is the time when I changed now my 
chemistry into business. So I looked at my project in terms of business. I started now engaging the market and on. So within the two years, we developed our first prototype and we tested, field tested our products in the market and we established our first 100 customers. Then I got some grant from the same incubation center where I bought the first uh, facility, a production machines with 100 liters per day. And that is how we picked it up. Uh, when we talk about the clean biofuel, we simply talk about the fuels that are produced from at least uh, substances that were once a living thing. In this particular case, we are making a bioethanol fuel from water hyacinth. Bioethanol is a liquid fuel uh, that is basically an alcohol group, basically ethanol. But now in this case, we derive it from at least a living thing that gives it the name bioethanol fuel. Uh, I want to say that most Africans like I, we have the challenges of uh, raising the capital to start the business, uh, which is very key. Like uh, ethanol production basically is a very expensive uh, business because of the initial cost of the machineries that to go with it. Uh, secondly, I didn't have a lot of knowledge in business because given my background as a uh, as a chemist, I did not understand the market. I could not understand financial models and projections. And so I say that I didn't have a lot of knowledge in the business aspect. But I want to say that the incubation centers are playing very critical role, not only by providing finances, but they also provide you with at least the knowledge that you need to do to start the business. They help you understand your market. They help you put your financial records in order. And they convert you from an ordinary thinking human being to at least an entrepreneur. Uh, now, right now, my production capacity is still small at 1,500 liters per day. And uh, we estimate that in the next five years, we shall upscale our production to 25,000 liters per day. That will be enough to supply clean cooking energy to 75,000 households every day. To achieve this, I really need a dedicated team with a lot of expertise. So going as we move forward, we'll be recruiting suitable personnel who will be motivated enough to, to perform their duties to deliver this. In doing this, we need money and we are looking for strategic investors to bring their money so that we can grow the business together. Freedom Pioneers of Africa Nagara ha subu subu se iswap ngaske ngasa tell us what you think do you think that richard will be successful with his innovation and why we set up a consultation uh, for Richard with our global connector, uh, Bianca Pretorius, our resident startup page coach, uh, offering insights in all 
things technology uh digitization and innovation let's see what uh bianca can do to stir uh richard and the uh, cist uh biofuel uh to global success please stay tuned freedom pioneers of africa Richard, hello. Hi, Richard. This is Bianca Pretorius. I'm calling from Berlin, Germany. I'm a startup pitch coach and I came across your business. Am, am I right in understanding that you are creating biofuels by a flower you find in Lake Victoria, hyacinth, and now this is like this beautiful biofuel that is better for the health and better for, for the environment and it's even cheaper? Is that what you're doing? Thank you a lot. Uh, we believe you are right. It's true. We are working on a business which converts water has in, into bioethanol cooking fuel. How do people react to it when you tell them that you found this new biofuel, this new natural source of biofuel? Yes, it was received well and positively by the local community and even the, the national government. Uh, this is because we are aware that uh, access to clean cooking fuels and technologies is a big market and a huge challenge in the local community in Kenya and across Africa. So the reception was so good by the local communities. So you are a, a teacher that is into chemistry, right? So how did you go from finding the plant, experimenting with it, and then building it to prototype and then even go to mass production. How was that journey for you? Very exciting and very much motivating. I'm a chemistry teacher, you are right, you put it right. And in Kenya, we work on a project called Science and Engineering Fair. So that is the time when I thought of making use of the stems of water has to produce ethanol alongside my students. So as we were progressing from one level to another, would get the comments from the judges. When we come back to school laboratory, we improve on it and we present it into the next level. We moved all the way up to the national level and we were awarded the certificate and came back home. So I threw my business. That was the end of it. I was to look for the next project to present the following year. But within the year, there was a call from the National Environment Trust Fund where they wanted the, the business ideas to enroll for a competition where they were awarding the winner a US dollars 10,000 shillings. We said this is a good opportunity. Let me present what we presented in the science fair. So I applied for it, and indeed we were number one under school category. But they were not giving the cash award. They said, now your project is scalable, and now we want to enroll you into a two-year incubation center when you go through it, we'll give you a word now to start the business. I want to say within the two-year journey, that is now when we changed our project from a science fair to a business-oriented uh, model. Wow, Richard, your business is such a scope for expansion. It's actually amazing. Are you exploring technology transfer partnerships as a way to scale globally? Initially, we were not willing to share, but we say in this world, you can't grow alone. At least the market is huge. The demand for ethanol fuel is needed by 130 million people. Even if I was to construct the biggest company in East Africa, I cannot supply the world market. 
And therefore we say, no, let us, we can transfer the technology. We come up with at least a partnership where we come up with the technology, you bring in the money and we, we, we build the plant. We train your team on how to use it, you operate it, then we share the profit out of it. So we are very much open to investment. Outside Kenya, we can install this technology anywhere where it is needed, so long as we follow the legal process which is necessary so that our interest is well taken care of. So, Richard, what would you say are some of the lessons that you have learned in your journey as an entrepreneur so far? Starting a business is like handling a baby. You can't trust any caretaker to take care of a very young baby. You would employ a caretaker when the baby is, at least is crawling, can speak, can ask for food. So that is the same as starting an innovation. At early stage, you are the only one who understands it. You are the only one taking all the risk. You need to look for the money. All the blames are on you. And it's like handling a young baby. And now for all of you listening to this show and you're thinking, okay, but what is my takeaway? What should I take away from that? Here are the three things. So number one, very few entrepreneurs will build businesses that are outside of their, let's say, areas of core competency. What Richard did, he spotted an opportunity that was within his already existing set of skills. Because remember, Richard was a, was a chemistry teacher and his current business stemmed out of, out of the work that he was already doing. So that means for you, don't work against yourself by trying out industry foreign to your core skill set. Second takeaway is understand how to tap into networks. Richard had a skill that was great, but that did not mean he knows how to convert the skill into a functioning business. So what he did is he tapped into a network through an incubator, and they're everywhere, and gained these skills from an ecosystem that is already shaping entrepreneurs with big ideas, just like Richard himself. So lastly, one of the great things about Richard is that he has a crystal clear understanding of the total addressable market of his business. All entrepreneurs listening can learn a big lesson here. No everything about your market, pick a small corner and dominate that one first. Richard, thank you so much for talking to us. This was amazing. I wish this is going to be grow fast and globally. Thank you for talking to us and have a good day. Freedom Pioneers of Africa. And I would like to give you a reminder that you can still win that airtime voucher with 100 rands. And all you have to do is just tell me what you think. What are your thoughts on Richard's innovation? Would you trust a different product com compared to the one that you've always used if it were cheaper? Are there natural resources in your community that are underutilized and could become a business? And it Any examples of people in your community who are interesting innovators and entrepreneurs? What other ideas can you think of that might help with the energy issues in your community? And what are the innovation gaps in your community? Can you think of something that your community needs that should be invented to help with the situation? Let me know all of this. I'd like to say a huge thank you to all of you who sent through your voice notes. 
I know I love listening to them every week because they're so insightful and I really, really take some good points away from them. But unfortunately, there can only be one winner and I really think this week's winner deserved it. So up next, I'm going to play them for you. I think this innovation is reckless. How can we be sure of the scientific consequences of this? Invasive species should be removed, not encouraged. No, I wouldn't trust any old product just because it's cheap. There aren't any natural resources that can be turned into a business where I live. In fact, one big problem where I'm from is the pollution. An interesting innovator would be my grandmother. She is always thinking of new and exciting ways to help those around her. Because <laughs> Sadio <laughs> Lemino <laughs> How are you? I'm all right and how are you? Very fine. Uh, you've been listening, huh? Yes. I, okay. So, so what are your thoughts on Richard's innovation? That is brilliant. Mm. It's very good to do that. You know, uh, it's part of uh, being creative and it can also lead to a creation of employment. Okay. Would it's you... very good too. Mm, mm. Would you trust would you trust a different product compared to one that you have always used if it were cheaper? Yeah, we do try. I can I can trust, yes. Mm. You know, we, everything that we use were new at the beginning. So 
why not trust them? I mean, trust something new. Try it and see if it works. Mm. Well, then you continue with it. And then uh, are there natural resources in your community that are underutilized and could become a business? Um, natural resources, natural resources, um, I don't know whether this is like natural resources. We have Betso, the Betso that is the dried sewer ponds. That sewer mm. is very good for, uh, you know, the uh, make you, you apply it and you plant your kapinga Okay. And then any examples of people in your community who are interested in innovators or entrepreneurs? Yeah, I found women making baskets out of plastic, basically carrier bags. Mm-hmm. So they just pick them, maybe even go to shops where they find plastic. Then they, they weave very nice baskets and bags. Okay. That was very good. Okay. What are the innovation gaps in your community? Uh, and can you think of something that your community needs that should be invaded to help with a problem in that community? Well, um, you see, you know, we have a lot of youths who are just, you know, drinking beer, and just living around. If such youths can be given something like to be producing um, maybe chairs, they, they give them timber, they, they produce chairs, or desks, we need desks in schools. Mm. Then they can be sending those desks to schools and okay. they something. Okay, and then what other ideas can you think of that might help with energy issues in your community? Energy issues in our community, um, where I am here, I don't think there's anything that we can use. Freedom Pioneers of Africa.